Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. In the first half of the show today, we're going to recap the big win at the Kohl Center over Purdue, a 69-65 victory. Important victory to push the Badgers winning straight to three games as they head towards March. Try to get into that double buy range in the top four seats for the Big Ten tournament and, of course, improve their Standing in March as the latest Bracketology report, which we'll maybe talk about a little later, still has the Badgers as an eight seed uh, taking on possibly the Kansas Jayhawks in the second round. So you want to get out of that spot if you can, and they've got a chance these next five games to do just that. And then uh, in the back half of the show, we're going to continue our position overviews and talk about the wide receiver group, which for a group that had some familiar names coming into the season, it was an unexpected hero. Uh, late on to, into fall camp with Quintus Cephas' emergence back to this team. So an exciting group to talk about uh, that we'll get into in the back half of the show. Firstly, Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I can't complain, especially that this Badgers team is is on a little streak. Uh, Three-game win streak is maybe minuscule when you look at it big picture. But in the small picture, three wins in a row in this conference is hard to do, and the Badgers are doing it essentially at a very important time in this home stretch of the season. Yeah, I mean, if you look back to um, the post game yesterday, Aleem Ford and Greg Gard both talked a little bit about how this team's kind of gelling and peaking at the right time, and it's it's like you said, it's it's perfect timing in terms of that because this this is crunch time. The Badgers are now tied for for third place in the Big Ten with with a, a whole heap of people with Iowa, Michigan State, Rutgers. Illinois and Wisconsin all kind of at that nine and six range, but that they're playing some really good basketball um, and it's just going to continue to go hopefully so that they can make a nice run and, and finish in that top four, which they've done so well since about 2001. Yeah, they really have. It's, it's a nice little run and I don't think anyone would expect it to be in this range, you know, just a short, you know, short while ago with the off the court things and on the court stuff and to be, uh, you know, in that in that position and able to strike with so many other teams having really tough finishes. The Badgers, I think, if you look at the top five, six teams in this conference, they've got the easiest road. I'm not saying any game in this conference is easy, but they've they've got the, the the games in front of them to do it. And now it's just a matter of taking advantage of that against the teams that you should beat. You know, in in Rutgers and Michigan's playing pretty well, but they're they should be a game and that's going to be a tough one on the road. But there should be a game that you can win if you get that chance. And it certainly started with a big win against Purdue that last time, you know, this team got completely embarrassed by Purdue on the road. So Matt, what did you think was maybe the biggest difference uh, in terms of that first game, you know, about a month ago, which was just a complete beatdown to this one that was close, but the Badgers seemed to be the stronger team and took care of the, uh, the Boilermakers in the, in, in the Cole center. Yeah, I, th- I think part of it is is just they were a lot more physical and were uh, a lot more active this go around. Purdue last time just absolutely bludgeoned them on the boards. Uh, had like I think it was like forty some to sixteen. And this time you see the the differential seven. Purdue because of their length is probably going to get more boards than most teams in the Big Ten. So Wisconsin doesn't have to hang their heads, especially considering they are this season the lowest uh, rebounding 
team in in the Big Ten, um, and they have been all for most of the season. But they they kept that differential down to seven. They did a good job at limiting, at least in the second half, the offensive rebounds that Purdue could get and and cutting down on some of those second chance points because last time that just absolutely killed the Badgers. So I think that was a big way. Wisconsin also was was a little more more cohesive on offense. They've done a really good job with their passing these past few games. I think I saw a stat where it was like they've um, had nine or fewer turnovers um, in like in like their last six games and or five out of six games. And, and really you can see kind of just how well Dimitri Trice is running this offense. Um, uh, some, some backcourt token pressure um, throughout the game, which, which at times kind of seemed like it kind of threw them for a, a loop in the first half, but, but then they kind of settled in and, and man, I thought a forward really stepped up in this game. Yeah. Liam Ford played excellent. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, two games ago with Brad Davison struggles scoring the basketball. And then last podcast, we talked a little bit how Aleem Ford ne- didn't necessarily score. He was a big part of the rebounding, you know, aspect of the last couple of games, but didn't really put a offensive effort in, in terms of scoring the basketball. And he came out and, and did just that. This game really played well, shot the ball with confidence, which early in the season, Aleem Ford compared to now, his shot looks so much different. And I don't know if it mechanics or just confidence based but his shot when he's hitting and playing and that's that's indicative of a lot of these guys Davison's a lot like that Pritzel is like that when he's shooting the ball and, and they're confident in their stroke and and knocking down shots you can see it and it's it's huge to have an emergence of a lean forward a guy that early in the season wasn't producing a lot if he can come out and produce offensively and give you even half of what he did in terms of points and minutes and rebounds like he had last night this team just gets one more piece that can be dangerous come tournament time. Yeah, I mean, he had a career-high 19 points, and I think just his emergence these past few games has really sparked this team. I think him, Brevin Pritzel, and Brad Davison have have really carried the torch to make up for um, whatever losses they uh, had with Kobe King leaving the program. But, I mean, Aleem Ford is not only doing it in, in the points, like he's also – killing it on the rebounding margin as well. I think he's averaging uh, eight and a, over eight and a half rebounds in his last three games. Um, and he, he's just doing, looking a lot more assertive, a lot more aggressive um, and, and just really playing his game, which I think if you think back to kind of how he was last year, he, he at times um, would kind of swallow up just because of, you know, I know he was also dealing with some injuries, but he would just kind of shell up and not be able to be, the player that they needed him to be on the court. And and then you see this year, he's really stepped up, especially uh, his three-point shooting as of late, did a really good job in this game. And really this game, the Badgers shot really well from three-point land in, in general, other than they were one of their last eight uh, at the end. But you take away those eight and, and, they're, uh, and they're 12 of 12 to 23, shooting over 50%. So it's, it's one of those things where stats can be misleading when you see the final thing final score. Um, but Wisconsin really shot the ball well in this game and gave themselves a really good shot against a tough Purdue team. Yeah, they did. They knocked down shots at, at important times too. There was a few moments where you know Purdue would get it close and, and seem to be grabbing some momentum back and the, and the Badgers would come down and, and make an extra pass, find the open guy and knock down a three. And that just kind of shows that this team is gelling and playing team basketball. And it's, it's exciting to watch. And once again, another a good shooting performance in the Cole Center. This team is hard to beat. You know, if 
if they're in their home building. I know there's been some critiques on the loudness of the crowd in, over the last few games at the Kohl Center, but in the, when they're at home, this team really seems to gel and knock down shots. And unfortunately, you can't play every game at home, and you won't be able to do that come March. But maybe that that home cooking gets you in a rhythm and it keeps your momentum building to at least improve your seating as you get into March because you're going to have games that are tough and, and maybe you don't have that hot hand shooting, but offensively you have a lot more confidence than what you might have had early in the season when there was five, six, seven game stretches where this team was really struggling to shoot the basketball, not only from three, but from all over the floor. Yeah, and, and we saw that still in this game. There there was multiple droughts of two or, th- or three minutes uh, uh, at least. Um, I think there was two droughts of over five minutes, one in the first half, one in the second half, and one was actually to close out the game. They didn't score a field goal for five and a half minutes to to finish it out, but luckily they, they just nailed it from the, the free throw line. 19 to 20, you can't ask for much better from that. And those clutch free throws are, are crucial. And you, you see a lot of people last year were all over Greg Gard about the free throw shooting and calling it a team problem. But that was a that was a Hap problem. And Hap did a lot for this team to be a great creativity on the offense. But he couldn't shoot free throws uh, to save his life in a lot of ways. But the, the rest of these guys can do it, and they're doing a really good job this year. Brevin Pritzel, 8 of 8, Brad Davis and 4 of 4 down the stretch, and that was that was big because they needed every ounce of that uh, to, to get a W in this game. Yeah, it was really impressive. Their free throw shooting has been really, really good this season, and they've and it's not just you know one guy. Obviously, Davison is the guy you try to get the ball to in those situations because he's pretty consistent and, and shoots the free throws you know better than most players across the country. But when you've got really five guys that, that you feel comfortable with going to the free throw line, it's it's huge. And it's a huge difference from last year because that team, you know, and, and Ethan Happ specifically, you couldn't have essentially your best player on the floor. And when you have your best player on the bench because he's not hitting free throws, that changes up your whole offense. It's a cohesive unit. And it's something that I think that last year's Badgers team really struggled with. So to have guys consistently, you know, Dan Dockett alluded to it, that Greg Gard can sleep a lot better and I know he's got five guys that can knock down those free throws late in games. That's going to be important, especially down the stretch when you've got games, you're going to have tight games. You've got teams that are going to come to play and, and Rutgers and Michigan on deck. Those are going to be tough games in general. If you know you can ice away a game, it's huge uh, late in the game and in these big, important contests. Yeah, I mean, they went from from near the bottom in free throws last year to now at the top of the Big Ten. So it's been a drastic improvement and it's really helped them. They need to continue to go inside and try to get those uh, post touches. I know Wisconsin was struggling with that in the first half. Greg Gard made a point uh, to get more post touches in the second half, which led to the open three-point shooting because they were able to go inside out, really uh, move the ball nicely and swing it around, make sure to get some wide open three pointers. And then they just delivered. So Wisconsin's did a good job at, on offense for most of the game. They got to clean up some of those droughts and, and just try to quell that because those droughts, I mean, by this point, most Badger fans, if you're listening to this podcast, you know kind of how uh, the blueprints laid out for Wisconsin and that they will go on droughts and it's just, uh, mind-numbing when they do it, but they got to start trying to limit that because that's what kills you when you get to March, when when all of a sudden the team across the way uh, has, a, has a player that can just get a, get a bucket when you need a bucket. Wisconsin is more team-oriented, like you said. 
they they need a guy to kind of take on each night. Tonight it was or last night it was Ford, and he really stepped up and and helped them in a major way. Yeah, they did, and I think another thing that was really crucial down the stretch in terms of the free throws, and obviously we came into this game need, saying that the Badgers needed to rebound better, but a big thing was the offensive rebounds, especially those last five minutes where it seemed that the Badgers, any missed shot, they came down with the offensive rebound and, and kicked it back out and worked another 24 seconds off that clock and, and really helped ice the game away. How impressive was that when you think about the last time that these two played that they couldn't they couldn't get a board defensively or offensively. Yeah, no, and and that was just completely hustle based. That was that was um, Brevin Pritzel being willing to dive on the floor uh, and and make sure that he gets it. It's it's guys just being able to tap it out. They they really were after the basketball. Something that you saw what Purdue did when when they lost to Purdue at Mackey Arena. That was all it was. You saw Evan Boudreaux running around with like a man with his head cut off trying to get rebounds, and he was able to do it. In this game, it was Wisconsin down the off the stretch being able to get those rebounds, um, their own offensive rebounds, and following their shots. It made a huge difference because Brad Davison had a key had a key one. Brevin Pitzel had a key one. Um, you know, so it was. It's just one of those things where that's all hustle. That's all understanding where the ball might go, um, and really just going in and wanting it more than the guy across from you. Yeah, it was impressive and in indicative of this team's you know heart and finally finding some gel and, and wanting it. You know, Purdue is is battling to get into the tournament. And they needed that game as well, so it's not like you were taking on any slouch in terms of that. So it was an impressive game, and it starts, a, you know, it keeps that streak going three games, and now you have a tough one this weekend against Rutgers, another team that last time they played, and this team nine and six tied in the Big Ten standings with Wisconsin and a whole host of other teams. The last time they took on Rutgers as well rebounding was probably the biggest issue in that game. The Badgers couldn't get anything done, couldn't keep Rutgers off the glass. Both of these games kind of they got beat up in the same area. So it's impressive from that standpoint, but it's also going to be important for their next game in another huge Big Ten contest. Yeah, for sure. Rutgers has got some some good length. Wisconsin's going to be up for the challenge, though I think Rutgers has been a totally different team away from home this season. They mm-hmm. they haven't lost uh, in Pescataway yet this year, but then they've only won one game uh, total this year away from home. So Wisconsin's going to have to use that home court advantage and, and to secure another win because they've got a couple tough road games coming up as well in this stretch. But but this is a game that they've got to win. You've got to hold serve and win those games at home in order to make sure that you're in those t- in the top four and able to just secure that double buy. Yeah, that double buy is ever important. And Rutgers is a team that's in contention for that. And you get them in your home court where you've played exceptionally well and where you know, away from home Rutgers has, has struggled mightily. So I'm excited for that contest. And then, of course, that sets up another huge one with Michigan, who's a couple games back in the Big Ten standings. But playing better and and actually uh, is ahead of Wisconsin in terms of seeding right now. I know Joe Lenardi is putting out a new bracketology uh, later today, but Rutgers was actually seeded ahead of Wisconsin as well. So two important games in terms of getting away from that eight line, which seems to be a where all Big Ten teams kind of are right now around that seven, eight line. But to get away from that one seed in Kansas and Baylor will be important. So all these games count and are pretty important down the stretch and it's going to be exciting to watch no doubt 
Anything else you want to cover in terms of basketball? Otherwise, we'll get into we'll cover some ads and then we'll get into some football stuff. Let's go talk some football. Alrighty, guys, we're going to get into our wide receiver position overview in just a sec. Bear with us through a couple quick ads, and then we'll get into some wide receiver talk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, it's time to talk some football. Keeping that trend going of a little basketball, a little football. And today we're going to overview the wide receiver position. It was a position that coming into this season, you, you had a lot of names in A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis, well-known names across Wisconsin football fan base. And then... The emergence of Quintez Cephas really brought this group together, and he was by far and away the Badgers' uh, star in that receiving core. I know you and I have discussed this a little bit, but probably out, you know, Jonathan Taylor was overall the best player on the field, but Quintez Cephas was, I think, the most important player on the field just given what he brought to the offense. So an interesting group uh, from this past season and a group that is going to have to step up this next season, so it's going to be interesting to watch, but... Matt, what did you think of the wide receiver core uh, in 2019? I thought it was great. I think anytime you can have an elite playmaker like Quintez Cephas, a guy you can kind of lean on when you need to pick up third and seven or you need to pick up a, a crucial, you know, second and 15, he's the guy to turn to. And he, he, he had over 900 yards receiving, Quintez Cephas I'm speaking about. But he, he was – I think the most important player on that offense because of what he brought to the table, the Badgers haven't had a receiver like him in, in quite some time. And uh, he had seven touchdowns. The rest of the receiving core didn't, didn't even come close to that number uh, combined. So he, he's going to be a huge miss um, for this team next year. Um, best of luck to him going off to the league, but he was, he was such a huge part of this offense and it, and it did kind of take away some opportunities for, other guys who who we know are good players and have the ability to make plays, but it's it also gives them a, a a little light at the end of the tunnel to see okay if I take the steps that I I need to I can be in the same shoes that Quintez was in last year as the go-to guy that that's getting uh, 59 catches or pushing at least over the 40 mark you know as as the go-to guy. Yeah, mo- most definitely. I mean. And it's they've even got more so an advantage coming into the season as Quintus Cephas, you know, months, not even a month before the season, didn't expect to be a part of this team in, in any way. He was just fighting to, you know, get back into school at one point and then to eventually get back onto the team and then come out of that South Florida game and show us that, okay, yep, this kid is ready to go despite you know, unbearably tough circumstances for him off the field and, and trying to get back. He didn't miss a beat in terms of, you know, getting back on the field and, and producing. There was no rust on him at all. And I think that was was even more impressive when you've got so many other things weighing on you and baggage that you're you're trying to deal with to just come out and, and perform the way he did and, and be such a dominating threat in this conference on top of, you know, when he, the last we saw Quintus, he was before that, he was coming off injury too. So 
there was a lot of things that really could have hampered him this season, and he didn't let that you know take effect at all, and he just dominated a lot of teams in this Big Ten conference. Yeah, and I also thought, you know, A.J. Taylor during his senior year had a great year as well. Dealt with injuries down the the final stretch there uh, where he he messed up his leg. But at the same time, you know, he had a really good year. He had that 55-yarder against Nebraska that was a thing of beauty. And he was just a really reliable slot receiver that you could turn to. So they've got some some guys that are going to have to step up and, and fill in some of those roles that is lost by those guys in addition to uh, Aaron Crickshank, who's who's gone as well, although he didn't do a whole lot in the receiving category uh, as much as he did uh, in, you know, small little packages. Yeah, let's talk about that group. Obviously, Quintus Cephas was the leading receiver. Jake Ferguson was second there. Actually, the third in terms of receiving yardage was Garrett Groshek, which was kind of came as a surprise, but I know he had a couple long uh, catches that way. And then it was A.J. Taylor and Kendrick Pryor. So guys that, you know, Taylor's gone, Pryor will be back, Danny Davis will be back, but I think those two, they they probably look at their 2019 season with a little bit of disappointment given the season they had the year before, they looked like they were emerging, and that's part of Quintus Sivas being a dominating and the primary go-to target for Jack Cohn, but I think those two have to have a little bit of sour taste in their mouth that they didn't have the season that they quite expected, but hopefully in, in 2020 they come out you know, hungry to prove that they are really talented receivers in this conference. I think Danny Davis especially is expecting big things come uh, this spring and fall. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you look at Kendrick Pryor, he's been pretty consistent over the over his first two years uh, of playing time. You know, he he redshirted his first year on campus, um, unlike Danny Davis. And but then he came out and and was able to get he's really gotten over 270 yards receiving uh, a couple touchdowns, um, but also been um, important in the jet sweep game. So he he's a guy that can really do a lot. He's pretty dynamic. I know in talking with Fayon Hicks uh, during fall camp, he had said that he thought that Pryor was the toughest guy to guard. Now, that was before Cephas was back with the team. So I'm guessing his response might have changed uh, after Cephas came back into the fold. But Kendrick Pryor brings a lot to the table. He's really quick. He's really good at in and out of his breaks. I think he's a guy who could really jump out next year as as a go-to guy, if especially if he's able to to really just con- con- continue that consistency. It's a lot of c words, um, but uh, continue that consistency and 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 maybe elevate his game and increase his touches because it's bound to happen now that Cephas is going to be gone. Uh, he's, he's a guy who, who I see filling in for that AJ Taylor, Taylor role, um, kind of as, as a slot, but also as a, as a wide out. So he's got a, a lot that he can bring to the team and I expect a lot of touches for him. Yeah, I think he's going to have to, you, you have Quintus Cephas this year was kind of uh, a combo of, of both a, a speed guy that can get in space, but also a deep threat. And I think this upcoming season, you're not going to have one guy that does it all. You're going to have Danny Davis, who's more of a deep threat, which we've seen in the past. And you're going to have Pryor, who's more of your underneath guy. And those two are going to fill the void and and kind of split the touches, you know, more so than just, you know, a primary target. And that's going to take some adjustment from Jack Cohn because he's not going to have that number one guy to look for. But I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing, just given 
this past year, teams, especially down the stretch, knew that Quintus Cephas was the main threat in the passing game. They shaded guys to him. They they paid a lot more attention to him. You can't pay too much attention. You've got Jonathan Taylor, you know, bearing down on your linebackers and safeties as well. So that helped. But this year, you you're, I think you're going to have more spread out. You're going to have the ball get spread around to a few different guys, and hopefully that'll open up the field and and allow allow guys to make plays in space that, that maybe you didn't have this past season. So there's plenty of opportunity to make up for a season last year that they, maybe they weren't super happy with. Yeah, and I think I think Danny Davis is, is going to have to come back to uh, what we saw as, from him as a freshman. Now he's a senior, never redshirted. Last year he had 250 yards, which you know is good for what, like sixth, seventh on the team. Um, but I think the biggest thing for him is is his average um, yards per catch just has plummeted over this mm-hmm. over these uh, his career. Back when he was a freshman, he averaged 16 yards a catch. He he averaged about 17 yards a game this this past year and was averaging only eight yards a catch. Um, he had a long of 18 this year. That's not good enough. He's he's a guy who, because of his athletic um, traits and his jumping ability, he should be able to beat guys one on one on the outside uh, and and win those one on one battles. He he has the talent to do that. We saw him do it against Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship when he was, you know, 18 years old, he, he's now going to be, you know, 21, 22 years old. It's time for him to, to kind of elevate his game. And I think he definitely can do it. He has, I think he's the most talented receiver uh, on the roster, uh, at least at this juncture. Um, but at the same time, he's got to be able to go out and make it happen. He's had his own fair share of off the field stuff and uh, having to deal with the follow-up from that. But he he's the guy who I think, they need the biggest leap from and for him to get back to what he can be because he has the highest ceiling to be the the guy to fill in for Quintez Cephas if, if he can do it, if he puts it all together. Yeah, most definitely. And we've seen it from him before. You talked about his freshman season. He had some big plays. He emerged and looked like the guy that was going to be the next you know star receiver. And granted, they, Quintez Cephas came in and took over that role this season, but we've seen it from Danny Davis in the past. And I think you can just going off of what you've seen from him early in his career, you, you know, it's in there. It's just a matter of getting that, that game of his back out there and and getting that, you know, his open touches and and finding space and being a deep threat. That's going to be important this upcoming season and his potentials there. It's just a matter of getting it all out of him. And I think you're going to see, maybe start to see shapes of that this spring and fall to see where he's at is going to be interesting to watch. However, I think another important thing is when you look at the the leaders in receiving uh, for this past season, three of them are gone you know, and the other, and one of them is Garrett Groshek <laughs> in your top six. So there's going to have to be the obvious step up from Davis and prior, but who are some guys that you look at after that? Because it's going to be, names that Badger fans probably aren't super familiar with, you know, with Cruikshanks no longer there. He looked like the guy that was going to step in. You've got, you know, Adam Crumholz who who got on the stat sheet a little bit. Jack Dunn got on the stat sheet a little bit. But who are the guys that you're maybe looking at as that sec- or third, fourth, and, and if you ever needed a fifth receiver to work in, who are some guys you're looking for in those spots? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – you immediately have to look towards Dunn and Krumholtz. They've both uh, made some nice plays. They did a really good job in fall camp with what they can do, both a pair of walk-ons. Um, they, they can do some nice things. They've got good hands. Um, I think 
But if you're looking for maybe somebody to really take a, a big step and to fill in some void, I think you have to look at uh, Taj Mustafa and AJ Abbott. Both guys are now redshirt freshmen. Back in fall camp, it was um, Gilmore, the wide receiver coach. He continued to say that they were just wanting some of these younger guys to be consistent and really put put it in each day in practice, put forth 100% on each route uh, and make the the catches necessary. I think both those guys have the talent to do it. They're both a little bit bigger. Mustafa at six foot, and then you got AJ Abbott at six two. So they they bring a nice element to the passing game if they can kind of put it together and, and make the plays. They're both really good at um, high uh, at catching the ball when it's contested against one on ones. Something that you saw from Cephas. So I would I would look at those two as as the most likely candidates to to see a uh, an increased role if it's not Krumholtz or um, Dunn. And then also I think the um, incoming freshmen are, are going to have a shot. I think you you look at Chimre DK, he, he's a guy who's enrolled early, and I think he has everything that you look for in a really good wide receiver. So I am never going to um, think that he couldn't be a guy who could impact this team this year because of what he has done in in high school and uh, the open competition and availability in front of him. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Those three names are are the guys that you have to watch for. Taj Mustafa and A.J. Abbott were excellent uh, in their fall camp from what I saw, and A.J. Abbott especially stood out to me just because of his, his height at 6'2". I know he was listed at 190 on this year's program. Uh, if he was you don't need to really get your weight up at that wide receiver position if you're already at 190. So he's got the tools right there. And if you need another deep threat, he, he brings that. So the both of those names, if you don't know them already, you'll probably see uh, come this fall, you know, if you're, if you're into those wide receiver sets with three guys, obvious passing downs, one of those two is likely going to be on the field because uh, Pryor's your underneath guy. Davis is another deep guy. You're going to need another guy on the, on the outside perimeter and a lot of those three receiver sets. So I'm interested to see how those two emerge. And then, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with Jimmy DK. He's got, he's got a little bit of everything in him. And I think that's what's really exciting when you're, when you have a group that is looking for people to step up, some of these freshmen that can come in and just play and go. And if they pick it up quick is he's got definitely got a good shot of, of seeing the field if he produces in camp and, being an early enrollee certainly helps his uh, you know, status as he tries to move into one of those roles. Yeah, and I also really love uh, the film from Devin Chandler. He's a guy mm-hmm. who actually on film looks a lot like Quintez Cephas did when he was in high school. If I mean, that's a long ways back at this point. But at the same time, really uh, good route runner, really good at high – uh, high pointing the ball. And I think he, he's a guy that I doubt he makes a splash this year just because he's not enrolling early. He still needs to add some weight, but he's a guy to look out for down the line because they're going to need guys to fill in some of these roles with Dunn and Krumholtz both entering their senior year. You got Danny Davis is going to be a senior. So there is guys can really put themselves in a position to take a nice step forward to be, Hey, Next year, it, I, I'm going to be able to make a dent, but then the year after that, I'm the guy, you know, so to go along with Kendrick Pryor because they're going to need that. Yes, absolutely. They're going to need some emergence from some un, not unlikely faces, but unknown faces that Badger fans may not be super familiar with. But I think you're going to see a, a solid two, three guys get worked in over the course of next season. So if you don't know the names of, 
of Mustafa and A.J. Abbott already and, and guys like Jack Dunn and Adam Crumholz. They're going to be names that are going to be on the field a lot, and you, you really hope that they can take everything that they learned and put on last season and emerge it into their second season as, as you know, depending on the years of their, you know, Mustafa and Abbott being your know, redshirt freshman that way. It's a it's an interesting group, but it's definitely a group that is going to have to make a jump if this team wants to be able to throw the ball as well as they did this past season. Because I know in the past, the passing game for Wisconsin has struggled, but I think this past season was one of the better ones, and obviously that's uh, indicative of how Jack Cohn played, but also the emergence of Quintus Cephas. And to be able to repeat at least part of that, you're going to need some serious emergence from that group of guys. Yeah, and I think the the area that this group really needs to improve the most is, like I said with Danny Davis, being able to make make plays down the field, intermediate, short range. This this group's fine; they're fine for that. I know Wisconsin doesn't always push the ball down the field uh, a crazy amount, but at the same time, they've they've got to be able to to give the quarterback a situation where they can push the ball down the field and make the play because Wisconsin at times is, is forced to uh, hit on the outside. They do a lot of deep outs. They, they get some of that, but Wisconsin needs to be able to get those plays and, and then shake somebody, make make a play where you can make somebody miss. You saw AJ Taylor go for 55. Like I said, Kendrick Pryor had a long of 35. They got to get some more where guys are able to make the play after the catch to really extend plays, really uh, get some of those big burst plays that are that are huge and, and dictate a football game. Absolutely. It's going to be an exciting group, and you're going to hopefully have, outside of the wide receiver, at tight end you'll have Jake Ferguson, which should help, but there's going to be a lot of new names and faces that uh, emerge and, and have to step up to to help allow Jack Cohn to make some throws and push the, push the ball down the field. You mentioned it already, but Jack Cohn, I know it's it's more so the offense and the play calling where sometimes they don't push it, but when called upon, you know, this past season, Cohn was able to throw the ball deep and he improved his arm strength and whoever it is under center, I know that is a highly contested debate among Badger Twitter and and Badger fans alike with with Graham Mertz and Jack Cohn, but when Cohn threw the ball deep this season, he, he hit a lot of them, and it's it's going to be interesting to watch how that changes with a, a new go-to target you know, and guys like that that have to take the top off the defense because Quintus Cephas was by far and away that guy for them. So I'm interested to see you know how that group emerges and does that and if the play calling kind of helps support that if they can get uh, guys that can do it. Let's talk about Quintus Cephas a little bit. I know we've talked about him a lot already, but in terms of the NFL draft, I think we both agreed that it was it was the right decision for him to go and and get his opportunity. It would be hard to follow up the season he had, especially in Wisconsin. You don't usually have guys you know, pushing that limit of you know high yardage and, and high averages in terms of the passing game. But where do you kind of see him in terms of the NFL draft and, and maybe it's like draft position or anything like that? I think his combine, he was invited to the NFL draft combine, uh, is going to be really important for him. I think that starts next week. If he can run, you know, a four five, I think that would go a long way in in helping him make sure that he isn't um, falling to like the seventh round. I think he's going to be a guy in in the middle of the rounds. I, th- I think like fourth through sixth would make a lot of sense for him. And I think really a team could be getting a huge deal with with him in the fourth or 
uh, through sixth round range. I, I really hope that the Packers take him because I, I've I've been saying I think he, in all honesty, would probably be one of the top two or three receivers on the the Packers roster outside of Devontae Adams. So I think he he's a guy who who brings a lot to a team. He's really good, really good hands. You saw that in even in the Rose Bowl, what he could do um, when he was just basically getting, um, you know, assaulted there, I guess, is, isn't the right word. But he uh, he was getting held on that deep ball that cone mm-hmm. threw him that was almost a touchdown and, and he caught it. So it's it's one of those things where he's got all the traits. He just needs to continue to um, do it uh, and, and make sure that he, he comes in. Um, as sculpted as he normally is at 6'1 and 207, you don't want to see him add some some bad weight or run a boat slow 40 time because that'll really hurt him um, because he's kind of fringy as is right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he looks like, you know, and every every draft projection and thing I've read from from draft analysts, it, it sounds like he's a third day guy. But I, I really think, like you mentioned, there that a team would be getting a steal. And I think his draft stock will improve when when nationally he's seen at an event like the combine where he's, he's seen by everybody, not just, you know, people that follow the big 10 or people who fringely follow college football fairly closely. Maybe he's not super well known across the country, but his pure athleticism and some of the plays he made uh, this past season and even before everything happened and before he got hurt, he was making those plays. So he's been consistently doing it when he's been on the field. So I think, He's he's I personally think he's going to be a steal for somebody, whoever takes takes him, whether it be in the late rounds, they're going to get just a pure athlete speed, size, the full combo and and just strong hands. So I I really agree with you. I I would love for him to be uh, in the green and gold in the near future because the Packers desperately need a guy just like what Quintus Cephas brings. For sure. And I, I'm really excited to see this wide receiver group because without him, there's going to be a lot of question marks. And I think when it comes to spring ball and fall camp, this is probably the group I'm going to be watching the most closely. I know everybody's going to be watching running back and quarterback, um, kind of two sexier positions just because of um, the way that quarterback it, it just, and the, the huge amount of volume carries that a guy gets. But the wide receiver group, it, if we can see some step up in these guys' games, it'll really help out um, a younger, um, potentially younger quarterback or a senior-laden quarterback, and then also help out a really young um, running back room. Yeah, take some pressure off those other two positions. And I would agree with you. There's a lot of, in our position previews we've had, a lot uh, of position where there's a lot of familiar faces coming back that you don't worry too much, or there's or there's guys like a linebacker who you you've already seen a little bit of, and you can kind of plug them in and expect them to perform. Wide receiver is going to be a a group that you have to pay attention to and and see emergence from maybe some unfamiliar faces, which is always a tough one because even a running back, Nikia Watson was in there and rotated in and got touches, and some other positions like that wide receiver you're going to need contributions from new faces so it's going to be a fascinating group to watch anything else you want to touch on football wise otherwise we'll wrap up another week of bucky's fifth podcast no that should do it and that kind of wraps up our position by position look at last season but then also kind of look into next year so a lot of good stuff coming for the badgers next year for football i know uh fpi and S&P Plus both have them in the top 10. So 
there's a, a lot of expectations being thrust upon this team. It's going to be a matter of them living up to it and not having some of the off the field uh, things and hype derail them like it did two years ago. Absolutely. Uh, we're under 200 days now away from kickoff and then spring practice will be or will be announced soon. I know there's been some programs already starting to announce some stuff like that. So football's getting closer, folks. So keep paying attention and it'll be here before you know it. But that wraps up another week of Bucky's fifth podcast. As always, guys, rate, review and subscribe. We'll be back to you with our normal two days a week podcast next week over more basketball stuff and figure out some other stuff to talk about as we get through these position previews. That was the last one. We'll maybe do some special teams, some coaching staff, things like that. So as always, thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. (laughs) 